This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Sunday, October 13th, 2019. On this day in 1974, 19-year-old Arliss K. Perry was murdered in the Stanford Memorial Church in California. For years, her murder went unsolved, but recently, DNA evidence may have finally exposed her killer. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Every day, we tell a timely story from true crime history, then analyze the historical impact of that day's events. Today, I'm diving into the story of Arliss K. Perry. I'm excited to provide an update on the case since it was covered in the ParCast original, Unsolved Murders. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. Today, we're going back to October 13, 1974, when 19-year-old Arliss K. Perry was murdered just after midnight in the Stanford Memorial Church. The disturbing nature of her death led some to theorize that she was murdered as part of a perverse satanic ritual. But the real killer turned out to be much closer to home. The late night air was crisp, but Arliss was hot with anger. She hurried down one of Stanford's lamplit walking paths, trying to put some distance between her and her husband, Bruce. She loved him dearly. After all, she had followed him to California after she graduated from high school earlier that summer. But he could be so hard-headed. Why did he care so much about meaningless things, like how much air pressure she put in their car tires? Arliss looked back, stopping to watch Bruce huff and puff as he ran to catch up to her. Deep down, she knew his stubbornness came from a place of love. Bruce was extremely protective of her and just wanted to make sure she was safe, so much so that he had insisted on accompanying her to drop some letters at the post office. Yes, it was after 11 p.m., but it was only a short walk from their dorm. A few moments later, Bruce was back by her side, and they continued their walk home in silence. But even though she was still mad at him, she was glad he was there. Although Stanford wasn't considered to be dangerous, 
three people had been murdered on campus in the past two years, Arliss felt much safer with Bruce by her side. She knew their spat about the car tires was the sort of tiff married couples had all the time, but she still needed a moment to decompress. Arliss stopped walking when they reached a crossroads in the path. She told Bruce she wanted to go spend some time alone at the Stanford Memorial Church. A devout Christian, Arliss always felt better after a prayer session. Bruce was hesitant to leave her on her own, but he knew she needed some space. He went on to their dorm while Arliss headed for the church. She got there a few minutes before midnight. Arliss took a deep, calming breath as she took a seat in a pew. She loved how the moonlight filtered in through the stained glass windows. Some might find it spooky. She thought it was peaceful. Back at the dorm, Bruce waited up for Arliss. He hated going to bed angry, but as the clock struck 12.15 a.m., he started to get worried. Arliss said she was only going to stop at the church for a few minutes. She should have been home already. When Bruce went to the church to check on her, the doors were locked. He headed back to the dorm, thinking he must have somehow missed her on her way home. But Arliss wasn't there either. For the next few hours, Bruce drove around campus, all concerns over tire pressure gone from his head. He wondered where on earth his wife could be. Their argument wasn't so bad that she wouldn't have come home. Plus, there wasn't really anywhere else she could have gone. Arliss had only moved out to California in August and hadn't made any good friends yet. He was certain she wouldn't be visiting anyone so deep into the night. Bruce looked everywhere. He traced every conceivable path Arliss could have taken to get home. He checked all the secluded spots she could have gone to think after leaving the church. He kept replaying their fight in his mind, wishing he could take back everything he said. He just wanted to hold his wife in his arms and say he was sorry. By 3 a.m., Bruce realized he wasn't going to find his wife on his own. A few officers went to the church and confirmed it was locked. They assumed something must have happened to her as she walked back home. While the police searched the area, a security guard named Stephen Crawford arrived at the church around 5.45 a.m. to open it for the day. To Crawford's surprise, the door was unlocked. Crawford was worried. He had personally closed the church the night before, around 12.10 a.m. He had called out for anyone still inside to come out before he locked the doors. Luckily, it didn't seem like anything was stolen from the church's altar. But as Crawford headed back down the aisle, something caught his eye in the east transept, just to the left of the altar. It was Arliss Perry's body. The scene was too horrific to believe. Arliss laid spread eagle on her back with a five and a half inch ice pick protruding from her skull. Her jeans and underwear had been pulled off and a two foot altar candle forced inside her. Arliss's blouse had also been torn open and a second candle rested between her breasts. 
Crawford immediately called the police and they rushed to the crime scene. They were able to collect a partial palm print from one of the candles, as well as a semen sample that was found on a nearby kneeling pillow. Although DNA testing wasn't yet available, it was a valuable piece of physical evidence. When the police went to tell Bruce what had happened, he opened the door covered in blood. He insisted that it was his, as he got severe nosebleeds whenever he was stressed. Nevertheless, he instantly became the prime suspect. However, blood type testing showed that it was, in fact, Bruce's blood on his shirt and not Arliss's. The palm print found on the candle also wasn't a match. Additionally, Bruce agreed to submit to a polygraph test and passed without any issues. Although polygraphs aren't necessarily a reliable indication of innocence or guilt, the police were satisfied enough to cross Bruce off as a suspect. The other suspect the police questioned was the security guard, Stephen Crawford. Like Bruce, Crawford's palm didn't match the partial print found on the candle, and he also passed a polygraph. It seemed like Arliss Perry's murder would forever remain unsolved. Up next, a shocking break in the case. Now, back to the story. As the years went by after Arliss Perry's 1974 murder, the cold case unit in the Santa Clara District Attorney's Office routinely reviewed the case, but new leads weren't forthcoming. Theories of who killed 19-year-old Arliss Perry ran rampant. Some suspected that she was killed in some sort of satanic ritual. Famed Son of Sam serial killer David Berkowitz hinted that he knew who killed Arliss, but he didn't provide any useful information. Until recently, it seemed like Arliss's killer would never be identified. But in 2018, the police made a breakthrough. Due to advances in forensic technology, detectives were able to conclusively identify the DNA left at the crime scene in 2018. It belonged to Stephen Crawford, the security guard who claimed to have discovered Arliss's body. To be certain he had committed the murder, the police conducted several interviews with Crawford throughout June 2018. By the end of the month, they were confident enough to file an arrest warrant. Once the warrant was granted, officers quickly drove to Crawford's apartment to place him under arrest. Once Crawford heard the police announce themselves, he took his fate into his own hands. He killed himself before he could be arrested. Unfortunately, this meant the police weren't ever able to get insight into why Crawford had killed Arliss or understand why he had killed her in such a sickening way. Although Bruce Perry never got the satisfaction of seeing his wife's murderer go to jail, finally learning who killed her must have been a tremendous relief. Too often, cold cases such as these go unsolved. Grieving families never find the comfort they seek. 
But in the case of Arliss K. Perry, her loved ones can at least take solace in the fact that the man who ended her life in such a brutal way can no longer hurt anyone else. It's a small justice, but justice all the same. For more information on the murder of Arliss K. Perry, check out the episodes of Unsolved Murders, which go more in-depth into her case. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Paul Liebeskind, Maggie Admire, and Carly Madden. This episode of Today in True Crime is written by Alex Benedon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 